All right, morning, church. Let's stand on up and worship the Lord today with us. One, two, three, four. sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who shakes the whole world with holy thunder who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder the king of glory the king above all kings yeah this is a You will bear my cross. Oh, you will lay down 
Got anything, Wayne? Mahalo. Mahalo. There you go. Wayne's doing his best. Uh, Rick Warren today. <laughs> hey, how's everybody doing today? Everybody here ready to worship God? That's what we're going to do today, and, um, and we're just going to worship him in song. Um, any visitors today? Hopefully you received a visitor card. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. You're, those who are joining in on church online, we welcome you as part of our, our church as well. And, um, and just, I, I just kind of want to say, um, man, I'm tired of Satan having a stronghold in our world. What about you? Um, just uh, our, our hearts today um, just are with those in London and in the area. Um, and you, you can just feel um, Satan's, one of his greatest tools, rising fear, right? You can see fear rising. But um, perfect love, and that's only in G- G- uh, Christ Jesus, um, casts out that fear, right? So that's what we're here to do, just worship him and glorify him. And just uh, that's what we want to do, just spend time worshiping today. And so I'm just going to open with prayer um, and that we can all just be um, – today is the day of Pentecost and um, that we celebrate. And it's the day that um, after 10 days – the disciples um, and those with them gathered for 10 days after Jesus ascended, um, doing nothing else but focusing on Christ and, and, what, and what his mission was for us. Um, when's the last time the church just stopped doing anything for 10 days to just come together and focus on God? And it changed the world forever. And so, um, so let's just uh, bow our heads in prayer. Lord God, as we come today on this day of Pentecost, recognizing... Um, everything that's going on around us. And on that day so long ago, there was a lot of turmoil going around them um, with Rome and with uh, the, uh, the, the Jewish faith at the time that was beginning to persecute and, and all kinds of other things that were going around. And God, in our world today, on this Pentecost Sunday, we look that there is a lot of stuff going on and none of it is from you. And so God, as we come today to worship and glorify your name, to work at worship, to see who you are for our lives and to find out what's going on. May your Holy Spirit fall as it did. I pray, God, that your church universal, um, that your church universal will become one, just as those disciples were, that they would all be in one accord, one place together. Um, And God, when your church comes together, there is no weapon that Satan has that will prosper. And so, God, as we come together here to worship and glorify you, to worship and, and say the name which is greater than all their names, the name of Jesus. As we talk about Daniel today and all the struggles that they went through in a culture that was ungodly, how did, you, did he remain that way? God, may you find us faithful and pour out your Holy Spirit here today. And then today, and all of us together, whether we're here or at home or somewhere else, we all say together, amen.
every debt All we owe He bears it as His own Brought to life We are free to live In Christ alone Our God is high And lifted up It is the cross My only plea The blood He shed God, we just want to praise you that, um, that you are our mighty, mighty warrior. God, that uh, we are in a battle, but it is not against uh, flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers of darkness in this world. And so, God, send your spirit. Empower your church to go ahead and, and fight that spiritual battle. Um, and it's all due. As we started this by singing, um, it's in the cross of Christ. And so, God, um, this time is yours. And may each of our lives be in your hands. In Christ's name, everybody says. Amen. All right. Our children go to our Sunday school shoreline ministry and everybody else say hello to one another. All right. Good morning. How's everybody today? 
All right. Um, uh, we, um, we welcome you here once again. A couple things I want to uh, go over as we have here today. Um, um, today, uh, after church, if people who are interested in Haven 101 can, uh, can come up front in this area, um, we have some other commitments, so we may have to make some adjustments there. But if anybody wanted to learn about the church, we'll talk about that today. Thank you, Keith. Um, and so you can look about uh, those things and about Haven 101 Church. Um, a couple other things. You have this insert in your bulletin about Stephen Ministry. If anybody um, knows anybody who is uh, hurting or needs uh, Stephen Minister, we have that program. You can read everything that this has. We will be running a new Stephen Minister training class in, um, in a little while, in the fall, I believe. So if you're interested, plan to, um, to be part of that as well. Um, Vacation Bible School. You can see where that is on that date, uh, June 19th through the 23rd. Um, that's not that long away, right? Um, we're on Vacation Bible School. So um, there's registration out here. If you have any other questions, um, you can send that to info at havencc.org, and they will make sure that gets to them. And also, if you see Melissa, she'll be glad to talk to you about that. Anybody want to volunteer, sign up, etc. Bring uh, friends and all those other kinds of things as well. Um, uh, and Miguel, you can come on up and get ready. Here you go. You got a microphone? Okay. Um, you have the insert about the mission trip. Those of you who have been with us before have, um, have heard us talk about this. Um, but you can see all the information about the mission trip uh, to Haiti, um, which is coming uh, very quickly, the 5th through the 11th of August. And, um, and so um, we have a number of people who are planning on going to that. And we know that some, um, some are doing it with trusting God that he's going to come through with the finances. And we know that some people are called to go and others are called to send. So that's where our focus is. on. You can, everybody, this is our church event. This is for anybody who wants to help contribute. So, Abigail, um, go ahead. You can share um, what you have. All right. Good morning. Um, I'm just going to share the reason why I want to go to the mission trip. Um, throughout my life, I have grown up hearing the word of God and knowing how he loves me. On this this summer, on August 5th, I am lucky enough to have the opportunity to fly to Haiti on a mission trip. I feel as if God is calling me to attend this trip, not only to spread his word with the people of Haiti, but to further pursue my faith as well. Not many people have the opportunity to hear the word of God, and I would love to be able to take part and be a companion to those experiencing the beginning of their journey through Christ. I have heard from friends and family who have attended mission trips in the past that it is truly a life-changing experience. Now that the trip has been offered to me, I cannot pass up on an opportunity such as this. I believe this mission trip will truly strengthen my faith and open my eyes tremendously. Thank you, and God bless. All right, thanks. You guys who've sat through my sermons wished I talked that quick, don't you? Okay. All right. Um, so um, uh, one of the things I want to draw your attention to is, um, and I think this is really, really cool. Last week we talked that the mission trip was going to be about uh, 16,000, I mean about 18,000, 16,000 to 18,000 for the people going. You can see that number's gone up to 28,000. Other people are joined. And that's awesome. That's not like, oh my gosh, that's, that's God calling and speaking to people. And so we, we'd love for you to be able, you can see the bullet points there, make a contribution. If you make that today and you drop it in the offering plate, um, you can mark it as mission trip. Um, a pledge of support, and uh, we, you have till December 31st to pay that off. It's a yearly, uh, it's for this year's support. You can donate online, and you can pray for the rest of the team. I want everybody to be in prayer for the whole team, all right? The other thing, Judy's not here. Thelma and Louise are still out on the road, um, as we talked about that, her and Jenny. Um, and no, no police calls or anything, so we're good so far. But um, 
but um, I know she would want me to announce this because I know everybody's going to forget next week. Um, we had the baby bottle drive on Mother's Day and pick those out, and then we want to go ahead and collect that. She has for next week, and we know that people will forget, but we want to go that, that all those proceeds go um, and support the uh, Cecil County Pregnancy Center um, that we have there. Uh, Paris, um, Paris Foundation is June 18th, and um, we're going to have pizza for them. So if anybody would like to help donate for pizza, um, you can go ahead and do so. Um, and I know Mike would, and others would appreciate that greatly. Okay? Um, so those are some of the, the uh, main announcements that we have, and there's always something going on. Um, prayer requests today that we have. Jen Legullo has asked for prayers for Amber, Amber Lasilla. Is that right? Lasilla um, is graduating. You're graduating? All right. Way to go. You're graduating. Real quick. I know Thomas is graduating. Thomas McCusker. Who else is graduating? Oh, Ian, you're graduating? No way. Okay. Jamie's graduating. Oh my gosh, I feel really, really old right now. Sonia's graduating. Where's uh, Natalie? She, she's not here today. She's graduating. Um, so who else? Anybody else graduating? Anybody graduating college? Anybody retiring? Okay, there we go. I was love. Some of us would love to do that. Okay, so um, so what? Uh, in the prayer today, I just want to lift up all the graduates. I want to lift up the graduates for for you know, the great thing about getting there and for that many of them entering the next phase of life, um, which is always a transitional thing for the parents who are helping them get to that next transition and, um, and also for those who tend to go to the beach during this time, right? We all know what we're talking about there because some of you have been there. Okay, so um, we want to lift them up in, in prayer as well. well. Congratulations. And you're moving to Massachusetts for what? School? Oh, we'll miss you. You can see us online. Okay. All right, so, but um, uh, Michelle and Roger Kipp have asked for prayers for their daughter, Becca, and her team, um, Winning Souls in Africa right now. They are in areas of Africa where the gospel has not been, and many people have not been, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's big. I mean, it's really cutting-edge um, missions work, so we want to lift Becca up. Your prayers that she left Wednesday? The 14th, so we want to ask for God's hedge of protection. Rig uh, Mullen is asking for prayers for Sarah, who's having arthroscopic knee surgery on June 9th. Um, and for, but they want the, a prayer for the results of the, um, the EKG, so they require further testing on Tuesday. So please, please pray for the EKG and that the Lord um, work there. And Barbie Phillips, um, for Sister Victoria and her husband Dean, um, they're in jeopardy of losing their dairy farm. Um, due to a conflict in the family. And so just pray that, uh, that God's hand is on their hearts, everybody's hearts, and everybody involved in that situation. Again, we want to keep those in prayer in London and around the world who face those eminent threats. Because we know this is not it, right? We know that this is not it. So just uh, continue to pray. Pray for all those who work so hard to defend the country here and abroad um, and put their lives on the line in order to, um, to make it safe for us, right? Okay, and so we want to... I want to lift them up in prayers. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, as we come to before you today, we, um, at sometimes, God, when we look at the world around us and the news, um, we're lost. We're, we're lost at where to turn and, and wonder what's going on in this world. But, you know, these are not things that should surprise us. These are things that uh, we know that before it gets better, before your return, it's going to get worse. And so, God, we pray this prayer that had been prayed for years. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. 
and, uh, and, and take your church away um, so that we can be present with you. But God, before that, heal this land. And as Emigel shared and as Becca is doing and, and as we do every week here, um, we want the gospel of Jesus Christ, that good news, to be lifted higher and higher, to, that a world that is hurting um, and killing each other and, and just so far off of your intention may humble themselves and turn their hearts and seek your face. And so God, from now on, um, find us faithful. For those who, have, who are facing surgeries and, and tests before, um, like for Sarah, we just ask for prayers there. For, um, for those who are having family disputes that cause all kinds of other issues, God, just may you be the peacemaker there, the God of peace. For those who are graduating, um, we know it's an excitement for everybody. We also know that it's the shortest summer of their lives for many of them as uh, they transition into work, to the military, or to college. God, just give them your direction and your peace and your guidance and strengthen them for the tasks that they have ahead of them. For the parents who wonder where those years went and, and how their kids are uh, already graduated, and they wonder about those years, if they instilled the right things into them, God, where we fail as parents, you make up the difference by being their Heavenly Father. And so for this time that is uh, left here, God, I just want to lift up. I believe in everyone's heart and mind. Right now there are, are worries, there are struggles, there are fears, and all those must fade away at the name of Jesus. And God, just uh, bring your peace to us here today. You've given us your blessing, and at this time we return a portion of that back to you and your tithe and our offering to further your ministry here in this community, in this nation, and in the larger world. Do what you do, God, because only you can do it your way. In Christ's name, amen. Please stand for this song. Put the voices together, speak about. You believe God is good, right? He's a good, good father. Oh, and I heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night and that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers. Only you provide, cause you know just what we need before we say a word. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are.
so unexplainable I, I can hardly think as you call me deeper still as you Good morning. I'm reading from Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the, and the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah.
morning and shocking. That'll wake you up, right? Okay. Um, isn't it interesting? I, I just took some brief clips from news and, and culture. And today we are beginning a new series called Daniel, on, based off of the book of Daniel, Daniel Days. And um, talk about godly living in ungodly times. And, um, and the book of Daniel is, um, is a really, really cool. Uh, how many remember Daniel in the lion's den? Remember, that's the one we usually go to. Um, and so there's a couple other things in there that we'll recognize. But um, we're going to dive into Daniel. And I, one of the reasons why is because the series, the subtitle is Godly Living in an un- Ungodly Times. And that's where da- Daniel was. And I think, guess what? We are too. Um, in case you haven't looked around. Um, now, the Bible is not chronological. You know, a lot of us, they, they weren't interested in chrono- chronology. They, a lot of things are grouped together. So we have the history books. We have the poetry books. We have the major prophets. It's not like they're the, in the big leagues and the other ones are the minor prophets. They're the ones waiting to be brought up to be uh, big ones. But these are some of the major ones that wrote a little bit more and... Um, or look to a little bit more. And Daniel is contained in the major prophets. Now what's interesting is Daniel's gospel, I mean Daniel's gospel, Daniel's, um, script, uh, the book of Daniel is actually in two parts. The first section, the first six verse, uh, chapters, are really deal with history. So they could, that whole section could go in a historical portion of the Bible. However, the latter part of the book of Daniel tends to be prophetic. And actually, it is the most quoted book, and it matches up very closely with what John saw in his revelation, in the book of Revelation, where people heard the term eschatology or end times, uh, with things like that. Now, the first part that we have here deals with Israel, and Israel had a problem. Israel uh, constantly had this issue where God called them to be their people, but every time we see in the Old Testament, they are people who he says, if you do this and so, then I'll protect you. Then I'll bring you into a good land. Then you will be a shining star among all the other nations. And Israel has a problem. What's their problem? They don't listen, okay? And so they end up having all kinds of issues. Anybody, anybody know anybody like that in life? That you, you know, if they'll do this, 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 and this, then this will happen, but they always end up not doing that. Okay, some of us are like, move on, Jack. You're right, stepping on my toes. But a lot of us have that, and Israel was like this. So we end up in this point, by the time of Daniel, we have King Nebuchadnezzar who has defeated Israel. Now Daniel is, there's about 4,000 years or so from Genesis to Daniel, and we are in that latter part of that. Um, we, it's, this is around 600 B.C., and there is, you have Daniel, and then you have Nehemiah, and then there's about 400 years of silence, and then you have New Testament, okay? That God was just silent during those 400 years. Some things happened. There were some, uh, some things going on. You can know about history, people like Alexander the Greek, uh, uh, the Great, who was um, from Greece and all that kind of stuff. But primarily for God's people, God was silent for about that 400 times. So this is right before that. Okay, you with me where, where this is in history. And King Nebuchadnezzar, who is the, um, the king of Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, comes in, conquers um, Israel and, and the Jewish people, and takes them all the way. And the people of Judah and takes them away. Now, this was prophesied because of Israel's disobedience that this would happen. So uh, this is exactly what happened. And so these, 
what, the, what they did in Babylon, they were really good about when they conquered, they didn't wipe people out. What they did was they assimilated them into the culture, the best, the best of the best. So let's say that, um, I don't know, outer Swabovia attacks the United States, and they go ahead and they find, um, they find Bill Gates, right? And so instead of killing Bill Gates, they would assimilate him into their language, their culture, their ideas, and then after they went through intense training, then they would, and they would give him like the best food and all this kind of stuff, and he'd say, wow, life's pretty good here, and they would assimilate him and utilize him into the culture. Everybody with me? Okay? And that's been done throughout history in many different ways. So that brings us to where we are now. And, um, and great job in reading that scripture lesson today, right? Um, with all those names. She did a fantastic job. Um, but I, w- I want to look at some of these again. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah. At this time, Israel and Judah are divided. Um, into his hand with some of them, with some of the articles from the temple of God. Now, the temple was the main place of worship. It was big. It was immaculate. It was beautiful. Solomon had built this thing. Solomon also built his house three times the size, but we're not going to talk about that today. Um, but he built this, and it had these great furnishings and everything there, and they would steal that and take it away, okay? So it would be like if someone came in, somebody from, uh, that was a direct, say Satanist, came into our church, they, they took us um, all captivity and took the organ and the guitar and took the cross and everything, and they set it up in a church of Satan. With me? This is the feeling that existed here. Um, and they carried it off and put it in their temple to their God. And then the king ordered Aspinar, a, a chief of his court officials, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. So now he's taking the best of the best from the Israelites and Judah, young men without physical defect, handsome, and showing aptitude in every learning, just like me, okay? So if you're having trouble, look at that. Look at me. This is what they went ahead. They took young, handsome, intelligent men like me. Uh, you guys are like, I'm, he's lying. I'm leaving this church right now. But um, they went ahead, and they were well-informed. They were knowledgeable, and they were qualified. To, he wanted them to serve in the king's palace. Then, Ashpenaz was then supposed to teach them, look what it says, teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians, and the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. So they're to teach them their culture, they're to adapt to their culture, and they're to eat food from the king's table, which has two problems which we're going to talk about in a little bit, but one of those is the dietary laws of the Jews would not allow that, but hang in there. Now, this wasn't just done in a couple of weeks. They were to be trained for how many years? Three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among them were from, from Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Okay, so here we are. So here's the question I want to ask you. You have these, these uh, four men here who are cream of the crop from Judah, and yet they're put in a culture that is completely opposed to everything God has for them. So my question to you is the same one that we're going to see through this. What do you do when culture shifts? In other words, when culture shifts, what will you do? Will you shift with it? Because when culture shifts, God does not. And so this is one of the things that I think we need to look, look about. And this goes on in churches all the time. I have, had, I have sat down with many people who have read this and have a great knowledge of this and begin to say, well, that is written for that time. Or... 
God really didn't mean this. And you know what? When people say God didn't really mean that, it's the same thing Satan used in the Garden of Eden, right? Did God really say? Questioning the word of God. And so what we're going to look about, when culture shifts, do we modify or do we try to modify God to fit our culture or do we stand out as people of God? And that's kind of what we're going to deal with in this whole area. We can think of many areas that culture shifts. How many remember the old show? I remember it from Channel 48 in Philadelphia. Anybody remember that network? And afternoons, they would show Dennis the Menace. Anybody remember Dennis the Menace? Okay. Now, the interesting thing about Dennis the Menace was when they showed, and also you can go Leave it to Beaver with Ward and June and everybody, but any of those shows back around that time, when they were a married couple and they were showing them going to bed, anybody know what was different? Yeah, go ahead. They had two separate beds. We all wonder how Dennis got there in the first place, right? And, but they had showed two separate beds. How many of you remember when, I, I remember um, a Pastor Al Uniger who was over at um, Rock Presbyterian for many years. I remember his wife telling me as a teacher when she got pregnant, she had to quit her job. Anybody remember those days? Okay. Um, and so we had this. We had this culture. Now we show everything, right? You can watch kids' cartoons in the, and everybody's in the same bed, right? You have all this kind of stuff. Culture has shifted to a point that we, we were kind of numb to it all. Um, now what's interesting, there's a verse in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 13 uh, through 15. And it talks about... Um, the conduct of the people and how he said, are they ashamed of their conduct? And it makes a very important uh, thing. It says, are they ashamed of their loathsome, or their horrible con conduct? And it says, no, they have forgotten even how to blush. Isn't that amazing today? We are not shocked by anything, are we? Is there anything that shocks us anymore in the culture? We are not shocked. We are so bombarded by everything that the innocence of children is lost more and more and more. I remember when Judah was really little that we had to scare him in order to keep him safe because he was playing on a playground and was going to go get in a car with somebody and just go, that's my friend. And you had to break his innocence in order to protect him. And that's the world we live in now, isn't it right? We don't let our kids play out in the front yard. And if they're outside, we have a tracking device on them, right? And we, uh, there is, there's a great uh, article. I should have put it up here. There's an article about a father who finally let his daughter walk to school, which was just half a mile down the road, but he followed her with a drone to make sure she got there okay, right? This is the world we live in because of fear and because of the culture that has shifted around us. But where are we for God? Now, I want to tell you, before you get really nervous here today, I am not ever going to tell you, no, don't do bad boy or bad girl. Because you have that already. It's called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit should tell you. The Holy Spirit searches all things and can tell you what is good and what is bad to do. I believe the church has spent years, so many years, of telling people what not to do that we forgot to tell people who to go turn to. And so I believe the Holy Spirit's job is to convict, not Jack's. My job is to love in the, in the nature of Christ Jesus and let him work out all the other stuff. Because guess what? The stuff you mess, that messes with you doesn't mess with me, but the stuff that messes with me doesn't mess with you, and I got the Holy Spirit working on me. Anybody got the Holy Spirit working on you? Okay, good. So that's where we are. Everybody good there? Okay. So I, I just want to help you be able to hear the Holy Spirit in your life 
more so. And Haven is not, nor will it ever be. The name Haven itself was meant to be a safe place where people can come to worship God and whatever mess they're dealing with, let God help them sort it out, not Jack Cohen point the finger at them. All right? And nobody else. Nobody else should be pointing the finger at them. You see, we have a culture that is changing around us. Some of you may have remembered when you went to church and dancing was a no-no. Anybody remember that? And some, some churches were against premarital sex because it could break out in dancing. Think about it. That's funny. If you think about it, that's pretty funny. But you know what I mean? That's people did not want people to dance, right? You don't dance. You're not allowed. You, you have to dance like this. Anybody remember those days? Can you imagine if a church sponsored a dance way back when? No, not dancing. What are, what are some other things that you remember that churches and, and that the culture shifted? I've heard, huh? Women wearing pants, okay? There's the women wearing pants thing. Uh, we, we, I've been talking with several people, and people were talking about how, remember Sundays? Some of you are old enough to remember when Sundays, everything was shut down, and nothing was going on, right? Now everything goes on on Sunday, am I right? And people said, man, I like that. You know why? Because we don't have Sabbath to do that anymore, right? We don't have those times anymore. And so what we have, the question is, do we allow the culture around us to continue to modify? And I'm not saying dancing's bad. David danced, and he danced in spandex, if you want to know what it is, if you read the scripture. He danced before the Lord. I'm not saying dancing's bad. You, you haven't seen my sweaty self dance, because I sweat like crazy when I dance. And I, I believe God gave us dancing. But we put these things in because we were afraid of other things. But now in this culture, we've forgotten how to blush. And so what do we do? So let's look at what Daniel chapter 1, verse 7 said. The chief officials took them. And here's one of the first things that will happen in our lives. The chief officials took them, took Daniel, Hananiah, um, Mishael, and Azariah, and they changed their names. To Daniel, they changed the name to Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, to Shadrach, to uh, Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Anybody heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? There we go. There we go. That, now, now we know where we're at, right? So the first thing I want to tell you that culture and Satan will do to you is it will try to rename you. It will try to rename you. The first thing, this is the first thing that culture will do. It wants to change the call that God has on your life. It's an attack on who God wants you to be. God called Daniel to be Daniel. God called Mishael to be Mishael. But what we see is that there is an attack on our culture to try to create us to be something the culture wants us to be, not what God wants us to be. And that's why it's so important to get involved in a local church. And by involved, I mean involved. I mean get involved. Participate in small groups. Get to know people so that, number one, you can come to know, answer the questions about God and, and for your life to help get closer to him and get closer to one another and then let God find out exactly who you are and to work that out. Uh, through your life. God has a redemptive name for you. And God needs to change your label. Some of you grew up in a household where you were told you're no good, you're never going to amount to anything, you're a jerk, um, you've messed up your life, and you are living by that label. Some of you got in with the wrong group when you were younger. And you were labeled a thief, a liar. You were labeled somebody... Um, Somebody who could not be trusted at all. You were labeled as, um, as just the worst person that walked the face of the earth. And then you're the kind of person that when you walk in the church, people go, oh my gosh, they're here. Right? 
You got that label because of the culture and the world around you, maybe by your own choices, but God has a redemptive name for you. The culture wants to keep you there. Satan loves to lift you up and say, here you go, and then cut your legs out from under you and say, here's who you are for the rest of your life. Some of you may have come from a broken home where the family was combative, and every time one of your parents looked at you, they compared you to your parent and broke you down continually. Or some of you may have been in a relationship or a marriage that they told you, called you everything in the book and you can't stand that person, but you believe in here, that's who you are because that's what the person in the culture has told you who you are. God needs to change the label. So I want to show you this because this is powerful. I want to show you what they change their names to and this is what culture does. Daniel, the name Daniel in Hebrew means God is my judge. In other words, everybody else can say anything they want about me. They can do anything, they can say anything, but God is the ultimate person who has the final, God's the ultimate one who has the final say on my life. God is my judge, and I live to please God, no one else. That's a good name, right? Any Daniels here? Anybody named Dan? All right, here we go. Listen to what they changed the name to. Belteshazzar, which means lady, protect the king. It's Daniel. Think about that for a second. Here is a strong, handsome man who is, who, is, uh, who is one of the top, cream of the crop in Judah. And the first thing they want to do is break down who he is and break him down in his mind by calling him a lady. We're going to mess you up so much that you're not even going to know who you are, what gender, what sex, what anything you are. We're just going to mess you up. That's what we're going to do, and you're going to go ahead, and you're going to protect the king. You're, this is your king, not God, your judge. This is who you've got to pay attention to. Got it, woman? And, that, and ladies was not a positive term in a time where they believed that women were property. So in other words, you're my property protected king. You don't have anything to God. What does this do? It takes the shift from God to humans. It makes what Humans say greater than what God says. It means the king is all you got to worry about. Forget that God is my judge. So they remove that. The next name, Hananiah. Any Hananiahs here? I doubt it. All right. Hananiah. Hananiah is this. means Yahweh has been gracious. Yahweh, the name for the Hebrew God, it's a, it's a personal connection. It's a loving connection. It means a relationship. Meaning that God has been so gracious to me. That's what his name means. So they said, you know what? You're not going to have that name anymore about God being so, so good and, and, and gracious and, and loving to you. Here's what your name's going to be. Your name's going to be, I'm fearful of God. And you know how many people that I've come across in 21 years and in 46 years of my life, people saying when they hear the love of God, they're so afraid of God because of what culture has to, and who culture has told them who they are? Yeah, but I, I know God can love you, but you don't have a clue what I've been through. You don't have a clue about my life. How could God begin to love me? So you're afraid of God. How many of you ever heard anybody say, if I walk into the church, the roof will cave in? Right? I today um, stopped at Wawa to get some gas and um, to get the kids something to eat real quick. And I, I pulled up, and I heard two people on a motorcycle who were going out for a ride. And this one guy, I hear him say, yeah, the old lady, she wants me to go to that church. She wants me to go to church. She goes to that prayer meeting stuff, but I, I don't know. I don't know about all that stuff. Well, you know, yeah, my old lady does the same thing. And she, but, you know, those, and I actually heard this. Those people are a little bit odd, you know. 
I was hoping they were talking about here. But, uh, you know, and they were, they were going through this whole thing. He's like, oh, well. And he, he walked by me. I said, hey, how you doing? And he goes, good. I said, going for a ride today? He's like, yeah. I said, good, nice day for it. And I, he goes, yeah. And I said, hey, every day is a good day on a Harley, huh? He goes, that's right. I said, well, you have an awesome day. Um, and he got on the car and on his, on, his, uh, on his Harley, and they went, boom, pulled out. And I was just thinking about that. What went on in their lives, and thinking of this message, what went on in their lives that they, you could see like, I don't know about this God thing. That's good for my old lady, but not me. You know what I mean? What, what entered in their life that changed from God is gracious to they kind of have this like, eh, I don't know about God. Next name, Hen and, um, Hen, what does it mean? Hen and I, the shift is from God is good to God is bad. This is a shift we have all over the place now. I'm not going to serve God. You know, those people are weird. That's what I just heard, right? Those people are a little weird. Um, you know, I don't want to become a boring freak that just, you know, talks Bible ease all the time. And, I, you know, look, look at the world around us. That's a loving God? Come on. I'm sure the people in London think that's a loving God, right? I'm sure that's, that's a loving God. Why? No. If that's what God has, I don't need that. I got enough of that in the world. You know, what happened in our culture where we got from loving God to not God? What about this one? Mishael. Who is what God is? In other words, this is saying nobody is like my God. Nobody at all is like my God. You can take the king. You can take everything else you want. Nobody is like my God. And they said, okay, let's, Mishael, let's change your name here. Let's change your name. Instead of who is what God is, we're going to change your name to this. I am despised, I am humiliated, and I am contemptible. Now imagine if that was your name. And you know, there's people who give people that name Meshach now. You're giving them a name that you are despised, contemptible, and humiliated. That's a great name to grow up with, right? If you really look at that name meaning. What does that do to you when you go, there is no one like my God to the fact that you are disgusting scum of the earth? You know, there's so many, this is an attitude that we have, in case you don't know, this is an attitude that we have in our culture about Christians, and about Christianity. I don't think I'm shocking anybody here, am I? Where the shift has gone from confidence to cowardice. Christians, you Christians over there, just shut your mouth and be quiet. Go ahead. We don't want to hear from you, your closed-minded natures and your, your God stuff. We don't want to hear that. You know, you know separation of church and state. Separation of church and state. But last time I checked, we as Christians are we the people too. And so when we look at the separation of church and state, you want me to tell you the history of church and state? Separation of church and state? It was written by a letter from Thomas Jefferson to the Baptists to say, don't worry, the United States will not infringe on your freedom of worship. Not to keep the church out of government, but to say that the government will not mess with the church. But we don't want to hear that, do we? We wonder why we're in the mess that we are in. We have Christians that are now going, I'm a Christian. I'm okay. I I believe in God. Right? We go into hiding. More so than the early church did when they were persecuted. We have moved from a point of confidence in our God and strength in our God to a point of where we're afraid to even share our faith. Wherever we go, we're afraid to share our faith. Azaria, 
Yahweh has helped me. Yahweh, that close relationship, that intimate, close father-son relationship here, now is changed by, by Nebuchadnezzar and them. To, it's from Yahweh has helped me to servant of Nebo. Nebo, or Nabu, was the god of the scribes of literacy and wisdom. And so basically, you are moving now from being a son and having a special relationship to a servant, to a, to a servant or slave. How many people, because of what we've done and what the culture likes to point at us, have become slaves to sin and slaves to the culture? That our lives are not governed by Christ, but our lives are governed by everything else in it. This is a major shift that we have in our lives. Isn't it, isn't it interesting how they change their names to those things? And we can find examples of that throughout the whole entire scripture. Because when culture shifts, here's the question. When culture shifts, you better know who you are and whose you are. You better know who you are. And so when we look at Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, we see this here. So we have this whole situation. They're changing the names and everything. But Daniel, what's that word? Say it with me. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official, Anashpanaz, for permission not to defile himself. In other words, Daniel didn't say, I'm not eating that food. You're bad people. You're going to hell. That's what's going to happen to you. No, 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 no. No. Bad. I'm the good believer in God. You're not. That's not what Daniel did, did he? What did Daniel do? Daniel went to the person who was ahead of him and said, I'm not, I don't want to eat this for me. For me, I'm making a decision. I'm not going to defile myself because of my own personal beliefs in serving the God I live in. So I don't want to eat that royal food or wine. The one reason is, yes, because of the dietary laws. But the other thing, every bit of food that they had was offered to something else. It was offered to another god, and then as a sacrifice, and then they ate it. Daniel, look at his, uh, him being so courteous. He goes and says, you know, hey, I, I appreciate everything, but I don't, I don't really want to do this if that's okay with you. Because when culture shifts, here's what it will try to do. It will try to tame you. It will try to tame you. What I mean by, by tame you? It will lure you into a... That's not so bad situation. Now, what will happen? You'll be in a situation at some point in your life where somebody will come up to you and something will happen. Many of us who've lived long enough right now are going through lots of different situations where we had, where, you know, we have that choice to go this way or that way. And some of us, let me just ask a question. I'd be shocked if nobody raised their hand. How many of you have ever had a situation where culture said this way, God said this way, and you took the culture road? Anybody? Okay. All right. I, 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 have, I wish I was an octopus. I could lay any hands. Because that's happened plenty of times in my life. Culture will try to tame you. It will say something. Go ahead. Try this. Do this. Taste this. Take that. Get engaged in this. Whatever it may be, they will say that. And then you'll start to say, well, it's not so bad. There's things that are not so bad. All right. No person who is an addict ever says, I can't wait to become an addict. Right? No one ever did. And at some point in their lives, they said, there's no way I'm going to do that. But they were in a situation where they had a choice. 
And we can do this for every, nobody who ever stole something from someone said, I am born a thief. There was one point where they knew it was right or wrong, and they tried it. You can do this for any ounce of thing in your life that culture and God go back and forth. And when you put God first, you will have a period of testing. You have a period of testing and taming in your life. And Daniel did not want to defile himself by doing so. When culture shifts, we need to not be able to lose our convictions. We need to be able to hold on to what is important. Not because it's nice, but because it's what God says. We all have different things that we're dealing with. We all have different things that we're going to struggle with. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in and tells you and helps guide you. What happens is when we say it's no big deal, then the next time it becomes no big deal. Then the next time it becomes no big deal. Then the next time it becomes no big deal. I have had moments of my life and bad mornings after when I said it was no big deal. Right? Anybody with me? Look at what it says here in verses 9 and 10. This is an important verse of scripture here. Let me find it here real quick for you. In verses 9 and 10. In verses 9 and 10. Now God had caused the officials to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official, that's Aspenath, said, told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord and King who has signed your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than other men your age? The king would have my head because of you. In other words, if you don't eat this and you start looking scrawny, the king's going to chop my head off. I don't know that I want to go there. Now, look at what happens now in verse 11. Daniel does what? Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for how many days? Ten days. That is extremely important. Throughout Scripture, the time of testing is ten. Ten days you're going to have a test. Um, ten is a tithe. A tithe is a test of your, your first fruits to God. Ten. Ten commandments, right? Um, the, in the day of Pentecost, they were together for ten days. So the church in Samaria in Revelation, they are tested and persecuted for ten days. So ten is a significant number. When culture shifts, you will be tested. And so if we look here, he says, please give your servants, how many days? Ten days, give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. That is now known as a Daniel fast, and you can actually participate in that if you'd like to. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat at the royal food and drink the ser- um, and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested him. For 10 days. What happens is when you make a choice for God and you stand up and don't allow the culture to tame you, you will have a test. There will be something. And next week we're going to talk about the test um, that we have. Because what happens is culture will try to claim you. After it tames you, it will try to claim you. There is a battle for you, a battle for your soul. You get the deciding vote. There is culture and Satan pulling on one side. There is God pulling another. And guess what? You get to choose which, who you will serve. You get to choose which way you will go. For me, I can tell you, it was Jack Cohen the college years. It's kind of lost in a book somewhere, but it doesn't leave this. They weren't good years for me. I, it's that time when you go away, and this is good for you graduates today. There's a time where you can go away. Mom and dad are not there to tell you what time to go to bed. They're not time to tell you what to eat. They're not time to tell you what to drink. They're not telling you who to hang out with. They are not there to tell you who to date. They are not there to tell you to do your schoolwork. They're not to tell you uh, to get out of bed. They are not there to tell you anything. And guess what? It was awesome. 
for a little while, right? And if anybody knows the story of the prodigal son, you see, I had received the call of God on my life at a very young age, and I was a PK, a pastor's kid. I wanted no parts of this mess. No parts of it at all. I was going to go to West Virginia University and prove that it was a party school, right? I was going to go there and do it all so that, man, God would not want me. Sound like Jonah? Sound like the prodigal son? You bet. And I did, and I went, and I was good at it. I was so good at it that at one point, I didn't care whether I lived or died because I was so good at it and so lost in my life. That's how good I was at it. And some of you are so good at your life right now and what the culture is pulling on you that you've lost so much touch with God that you don't even know where he is. And you're broken. And this life that the culture has showed, look, this is what you're going to have. This is what you're going to have. And you went, hog wild for it, has left you lost and broken in who you are. You see, because the culture wants to claim you. Satan has no love for you. There's a reason why Jesus called him the prince of this world. And when we serve the culture of this world, we serve the prince of this world. God's enemy, Satan. And God desires us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, for each of us. You see, when culture shifts, we've got to learn to never give in to the pressure. Never give in to the pressure. You know, young people, as I said, you're going to face this. Older people, you face it too, and all kinds of other things. Let's look at what it says at 15 through 9. At the end of 10 days, they looked what? healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the raw food. Imagine that. So the guard took away their choice food and, and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. These four young men, God gave knowledge. Look at this, what God does to them. Because they stayed true to God, God gives them something supernatural. God gives them, what, knowledge and understanding and all ki- of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. See what God did supernaturally? Because they made a choice to serve him. And at the end of the set time by the king, to, at the end of the set time by the king to bring them into his service, the chief priest presented, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king, and look what it says here in verse 19. The king talked to them, and he did what? He found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. You see, they, the world thought if they don't have this, they're going to look worse and they're going to fade away. But they said, if I may remain true to God, I'm going to be stronger than ever because God's going to give me supernatural power by the power of his Holy Spirit. And that's what happened to Daniel. Daniel wasn't depicting all these visions and stuff before. In chapter 2, I challenge you to read that. We're not going to cover that in the series. But he interprets King Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. And he gets even more affluence and more, all because he remained faithful to God. He also ends up in a lion's den. We will talk about that. But that's because the culture around him hated what he did. And guess what? When you stand out for God, the culture around you will despise you because they despise Jesus first. You see, God's way is better. It's just better. In Daniel, 
1, verse 20, it says, Every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them, look at this, what's that number? Ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. Guess what? God is ten times better than anything this world has to offer. Our God is ten times better. And so I want to leave this with you as we close this out today with two quick questions. Number one, it's a question you need to ask yourself. Will I change the world or will the world change me? I think if we're all honest, we have been tainted and changed by the world. Our church in the United States, our church universal has been changed by this world. And so we need to decide individually and as a people of God, are we going to be, as Jesus said, salt and light? He said, let your light shine before men. Right? Remember that old song in Sunday school? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. Hide it. What's the next verse? Hide it under a bushel. No, we're too busy buried in the basement, right, in our culture today. We need to let it shine. Not just sing about it, but live it. So am I going to do that? We need to not be a thermometer, but a thermostat for our culture. We need to have our lives glorify God. Number two, here's the next one. Will my identity come from God or the world? Will the world, when they look at me, see Jesus in me or will they see the world? Although this relationship with Christ is a personal relationship, Jesus wants that public profession to let it shine. And so how do we do that? Well, there's a number of ways. I've been rereading a book at the suggestion of a friend of mine called A Celebration of Discipline by a guy named Richard Foster. Anybody ever read that book? And it talks about disciplines in the Christian faith of meditation and prayer and fasting and all kinds of other things like that. And it is, I'm, I'm seeing it with new eyes right now. And it not only is just a book to read, but it's something that is saying, okay, now do it. I think it's great because guess what? When I take time and I'm out to dinner with my family and I take time to bow my head and pray, the people around me may think I'm narcoleptic, but I'm just praying to thank God. And it's not about the culture around me. It's about giving thanks to God for what he's given to me, that my family is not hungry like many in the world, but my family can go ahead and eat. It means not being afraid to take time to read my Bible wherever I am. It means an outward expression of faith, and I think one of the best things and one of the easiest ways, but also one of the things that I think is most misconstrued in our world today because the culture has taken and shifted is baptism. Baptism is an outward side of an inward spiritual grace, what God is doing inside of us. And here's what I want to say about baptism. Baptism is for all people who want to show an outward sign of what God is doing in their lives. Yes, we do infant baptism because we're setting them apart because God has given, it to, given us to them, but we're setting them apart to say God's grace is at work in them. But for those of us who are adults and we want to be baptized, and we're going to do that again this summer. I want to get a baptistry right here. I want to dunk people here. I'll do it every week. I don't care. I'll get in. It doesn't matter. I've gotten in full clothes before. I've gotten in in the middle of February uh, with your grandson, with Dylan, before he was seven, with the Marines. It was February. It was cold. And I dunked him, and I was holding him down for getting me in there, right? All right. So, but I will do that. I don't care because when somebody has an outward profession of faith in Jesus Christ, let's do it. But 
Don't just do it to check off something on your car. Don't just do it and say, all right, that was good, I did that. Do it because you have a faith in Jesus Christ and you want to raise that child in the faith or you want to say, look at what Jesus did to me. Everybody in the world, yahoo, Jesus and I are cool. And that's what I want to do. You see, I have this on my finger. What is it? A wedding ring. And what does that tell you? It tells you I'm taken. I know all of you ladies are so upset now because I got this on. This means I belong to that woman back there. I belong to Melissa. I have for 21 years since that day we got married, right? In June, so long ago, right? I was 10. We, I, that, that's what that tells me. And baptism and all those other disciplines tell the world, hey, I, I don't belong to you. I don't belong to you in the world. I belong to God. When I'm baptized, I belong to him because he paid the price on the cross. And guess what? I don't belong to the world. I don't care what you say about me. I don't care what my life did because I am new in Christ Jesus. And I belong to him. And as long as I belong to him, all this other stuff is going to fade away. But I will be with him forever and ever again. And that's where I put my hope because I belong to him. So will you? Will your identity come from God or from the world? Romans 6, 3. The last thing we're going to say. And the worship team's going to continue on. For sin's power over us was what? When what? And we're baptized. When we became Christians and were baptized to become part of Christ Jesus. I belong to him. Do you belong to him? Do you belong to him? Because I'm going to tell you, the world has its talents in the church. The world has a hold on fellow clergy. The world has a hold on parts of my life. The world has a hold on parts of your life. We need to tell the world, no, 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 you're not going to go ahead and cause me to adulter against my God. With me? Everybody with me? This is Daniel. We're ready to dig deeper into Daniel. Worship team, come on up. I'm going to ask you to just stand up, and um, we're just going to open up the altars and pray our uh, Stephen ministers. And again, I'll be up here as well. Lord, Lord God, we come to you today, and we recognize and, that just there's so much pain and so much hurt and so much stuff in the culture around us. And so right now, God, we just want to lift your name up. We want to say, hey, we belong to you. And so, God, whatever this week has, um, I'm just going to say that over the next six weeks, God, uh, we're focusing on Daniel I want you to go ahead and manifest these things in us. I know that the the culture is going to try to rename us. I know the culture is going to try to tame us. I know it's going to try to claim hold of us. I know it's going to try to change the way we think and the way that we do. But guess what, God? We need to ask ourselves the question here today. Will I change the world or will the world change me? God, you called me to start this church for one reason. Through every struggle and every, every pain I've personally had, every doubt that I, I deal with, God, I know you called me because you said I want to change the world. God, whatever size that world is, it's 200 or 200,000 people, that's your business. We can change the world just by changing one person's heart to God. So Lord, let us be world changers. Let our identity come from you. Christians means little Christ. 
And we recognize that the power of sin over us was broken when we became Christians. We're baptized in Jesus Christ. So God, I just pray this year when we have our summer baptism, when we decide to have baptisms, that God, that it will be a flood of people saying, I belong to you, Jesus. I belong to you. If you can take what this world has, just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Because I belong to him. God, move amongst the hearts and minds here today for someone who just has never really made that commitment. Somebody who's watching today and is, is saying, wow, I've never just stopped and recognized how much of a hold the culture has on my life, my family, my career choices. Just give me Jesus. God, I, I didn't realize how much the world has renamed me by the stuff that's happened in my life, by the stuff that I've done, by the choices that I made. And yet, you say you love me and you, you want to take me as your own. Just give me Jesus. So God, right now, wherever we are, just give me Jesus. Just give us Jesus. On this day of Pentecost, let the Spirit of Christ Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, just move through the hearts and minds of the believers here today and those who are watching and may see this some other time. God, just move into our hearts and our minds and move your Holy Spirit's power. Bring a mighty rushing wind into our hearts and into this very room of our lives. This room where some of us is empty and some of us is so cluttered we can't find you. Just give me Jesus. Amen. Wow. I love this song because it just talks about how God never changes. I mean, we we got this thing called modern worship, you know, and I've always, I've always struggled with, you know, is this what I need to do, God? Is this like, is, are we really helping people connect to you through this music, you know, or is it just through your holy word? And I, I think the reason why I love I love modern worship is because it, it, the language matches our language. We're speaking the words that, that we speak every day, and we speak these God these these words to God. It's not it's not about these and thous and isms. I don't know how Old Testament speak. I don't know. That's not how we speak today. We speak to God in real real words. So we say, well, you never change, Lord. We're saying that to God, saying, God, you never change, you know. You're my strength to stand. All my days are in your hand. I want us all sing this together in, in, in a powerful way. You know, I mean, we've done a few times. You guys know the song. Just kind of, just, just speak him in truth. you. Mm-hmm.
find it amazing. Go ahead. Go ahead. You can clap. I always find it amazing how God, I never, I give a, a sermon scripture and it was that one with all the names that it was, I read at the beginning to Wayne and then he, we just pick out songs. Um, he picks them out. That's perfect. Isn't it perfect how the Holy Spirit just works through everything? Um, keep in mind that he never changes. Culture does, but he doesn't, right? And so, um, so may you, you're gonna, when you go out here, get, the other thing I'm going to pray for is for 10 days of testing at least, okay? So get ready, sorry. Anybody, I'm gonna pray that God tests this church because our church, the church universal needs some testing and, and we need to prove um, who we are and whose we are. And so whether we belong to him or belong to something else. So when you leave here today, go in the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of our Lord and Jesus Christ. And may you go forth in, uh, as those people, as, um, as Daniel and the other three, because we all know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But we're gonna talk about them a little bit. Next week, the test. We're going to talk about the test. Because after, when we have testing, we have a test. So everybody have an awesome week in Jesus. And say hi to somebody on your way out. God bless. Uh,